Okay, apparently we're live. Awesome. So welcome everybody. Uh, thanks for attending our first podcast. Um, it's going to be the first of a new series, bringing on amazing guests to talk about their experiences in the film industry predominantly and computer graphics and visual effects. Um, so yeah, it gives my great pleasure tonight to welcome Josh Hayes. Josh is a prolific story creator, having worked in the industry for many, many, many years. Many, many years. <laughs> uh, he's worked on numbers, which I usually forget, um, hundreds, thousands of commercials, 5,000 commercials, 5, is that right? Over 5,000 commercials, which is a lot of commercials. Um, I haven't worked on that many. Um, and movies, 40, 50 movies, something in that range. Um, some amazing movies that you probably enjoyed, like uh, Rango and Lone Ranger. Um, and uh, Josh is an amazing guy. He's really, really talented in as an artist and storyteller, um, but really amazing at helping people unlock the stories that they're trying to tell and really get to the, the the essence of the story and the the, the feeling and the the what they're trying to create with their story which is a is usually a feeling or a transformational moment or experience so um he's extremely talented at that um one of the best i've seen in working with all kinds of different people and helping them go through that process um so i welcome josh tonight to talk about that and talk about um, what that's like and what his process is like and um, we're also going to relate it to um, how it can help in the many different places that you can use it in filmmaking from story and storyboarding through previs into actual production um, as a, uh, a thing which is more important really than the tools that you're using. Often people try and learn the tools really what you should be learning uh, as any artisan or technician operator um, in anyone involved in the industry um, is about story and how to tell those stories. Something which on a movie I was lucky enough to work on, on The Lion King and, and The Jungle Book and, and several other movies. Um, when we were lucky enough to be given the script, which was a complete working document usually, um, no matter which part of the movie you're in, it's really, really helpful to soak that in and, and understand it and realize like you might just be pushing some sliders around, um, but really you're helping to tell a story that's going to go and change people's lives. Um, so yeah, anyway, that uh, massive preamble. Um, Josh, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's, uh, a, it's a great pleasure to be here. I always love talking with you and, and working with you. Um, that's great. <clears throat> you said you're going to have some amazing guests, so I hope that starts in the next podcast. <laughs> yes, we're trying to log them down, but... Uh, <laughs> Let me start so we'll lower the expectations to start, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> exactly. No, um, you you are an amazing guest, and it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much. Um, so I could not agree with you um, more. Um, I think you said something really important right out of the gate, which was no matter what you do, um, uh, you're you're in the in the industry, or or if you're not in the industry yet, and think daydreaming about the industry. It's always about storytelling um, and um, <clears throat> honing your skills as a storyteller. And I don't think we can ever be too uh, experienced uh, in, in that realm. So always working on that, honing those specific skills, um, along with obviously whatever medium you work in. If you're a cinematographer, obviously knowing more and more about the technology and, and what's available to do what you need to do is crucial. Um, if you work in visual effects, obviously knowing the software is, is crucial, but it still always boils down to story. And if the story doesn't engage people, then the rest of it doesn't really matter. So I think there's no doubt that, that focusing really on, on where you want to go emotionally is crucial. And in my experience with the directors, and I've worked with hundreds of directors, all different personalities, different experience levels, you know, huge names that you've heard, people you still haven't heard yet, but probably will. Um, and one of the things that I've really learned about that experience is, um, first of all, 
everyone has a unique point of view. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think that's one of the things that, that you can never stress too much. I think sometimes people feel, um, you know, well, it's just me. What, you know, what do I have to say? And it's like, no, no, everybody has a unique point of view. I mean, uh, um, there was a book that I, I read, uh, read years ago called If You Want to Write by Brenda Euland. And she was a, a teacher and a writer in the, in the 30s and 40s. And, and this was when DNA technology barely existed. And she said, if you are telling a true story from your heart, there will never be another story like that because there will never be another storyteller like you. So I, I really think everyone is an amazing storyteller, uh, you know, whether you know, you're a janitor someplace or whether you're you know, Steven Spielberg, everybody has stories to tell. And I think the big thing is in those stories that we tell, whether it's across the kitchen table from your family um, or on the screen, um, you wanna connect with people. And the biggest way to connect with people is emotional. That's the thing that, that people will, will remember you by. And tell me this is not so, you've worked on a lot of movies, a lot of movies, um, and, and are a huge fan, right? That's what drew you in the industry in the first place is, um, it's, it's, if, if I asked you to name the, your top five movies, I'm guessing the reason that you love them so much is that they connected with you, made you feel something. Yes, they may have great effects or amazing acting or cinematography, but that probably wouldn't be the first thing that you would say. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, use, I'm gonna use one of your favorites. I, I know this about you. Let's talk about Jurassic Park for a minute. <laughs> yes, that's what got um, me into this mess in the first place. So you, so you were hugely inspired by that movie. How, how yeah. many minutes of, you know this, right? How many minutes of actual VFX were there? Yeah, just a few, um, yeah, three or so. You know, it's, it's amazing still, because you think of that as being this effects movie, you know, it's, it was groundbreaking and it brought realistic computer generated creatures to the world they didn't really exist before um and people remember it for that for one one of the reasons um at least especially people like me who got inspired by it and wanted to figure out how they'd made it um but i think uh another thing that really appealed to me about it was dinosaurs i love dino i mean typical kid you know loving Dinosaurs is not particularly unique. I did go quite far with it and I became a fossil hunter and collector and I just loved that that kind of stuff. But then even more than that, I really loved um, Michael Crichton's storytelling. I read the book first, I read all of his books and what I loved about his storytelling was how um, how good the, the character work was, uh, you know, the, the, the accuracy part of it, he was, a uh, a scientist and really dug deep into his research and really found out a lot about things he was talking about. So it felt believable. It wasn't um, complete. It was fantasy, but within the sort of believable realm. Um, and, and it was dealing with issues that now make a lot of sense. Um, you know, the, the idea that, well, the one line that pops out for me the most, which has got nothing to do with computer graphics, <laughs> is um, uh, scientists were so preoccupied about whether they could, they didn't stop to think whether they should. And, uh, and by the way, <laughs> I, I sort of feel that way about visual effects, right? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Despite having, yeah, based my most of my career, this career in it. Yeah. Right. That, that it still needs to be motivated by something and, and just kind of going, oh, I, we, I'll just name, the, I'll sort of describe the shot and, and people, if you've seen the movie, you'll know it is. And, and the director is an amazing director and, and had huge success. But this is a shot where you're following a bomb through the various decks of a destroyer during Pearl Harbor. And I was sort of like, why? I mean, just because we can, why? And I think that's really, um, you know, you watch certain movies and I, I think they run off the rails sometimes because they're so concerned with the visual effects, they've forgotten that there's a story in there somewhere. You know, so I think, I think that's sort of crucial. <clears throat> the, the first movie that I ever saw that made me go, I want to be a part of that was uh, Rocky. 
Um, cause I came out of, I came out of that movie. Right. I mean, if, if you've ever really seen Rocky, it's hard not to come out and go, dun, 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 right. It's hard. It, you know, it, it makes you like, I can do that, man. I could totally do that. I'm going to go a couple of rounds with Apollo Creed. Yeah. Um, you, you inspired me to watch all the rest of the movies. Actually. I'd only seen the first couple, I think. And then like back to back to the rest of the catalog after we spoke about it. And, and as I've, as I've shared with you, um, um, you know, as, as are the strange things in Hollywood, um, I, I had the privilege of spending some time with uh, Sly Stallone because um, his daughter and my daughter <clears throat> went to the same school and I was, uh, I, I got to go because I was uh, invited to some birthday parties at, at his daughter's house and my daughter went and, and one day um, this is like the second time I had the privilege of going to, to Sly's house. Um, he was just standing there, like watching the party happen and all the kids were having fun. And, and I, and I, I walked over to him and his older daughter was, um, my daughter's buddy. So, um, she was connected to two Stallone girls and they were both super, super kids. And I said, you know, Hey, uh, how did you, you know, how did you, uh, uh, raise your kids so well you know being who you are you know with the with all of the hollywood you know uh, uh hoopla that goes along with that and uh uh he humbly said it was his wife and he said uh do you want to go have a cigar and i'm like okay i've never smoked a cigar before <clears throat> so um sly not with sylvester Stallone. <clears throat> certainly not with sylvester Stallone. so so sly and um he invited one other dad that was standing with us and we went in to his private um, office, which was amazing and had a lot of memorabilia. I, I mostly remember a lot of knives. The guy had a lot of knives. But, that makes sense. But he allowed us in that moment to, to basically ask any questions we wanted. And I was like a kid in a candy store. And <clears throat> on that day, not only did my respect for him um, as, a, as a nice guy uh, rise, but I also saw how smart he was and and he showed me the original rocky in in bound in in spiral bound notebooks and where i'm going wow. with this whole story is <clears throat> rocky has no special effects they shot things on the fly he sort of told me like there's a there's a sequence when he's running along the harbor and literally it was like they had a, a door of a van open and he was running his ass off and thought he was going to die because they just kept going. And there's a scene where he's running through the marketplace and somebody throws him an apple. And that was like a real person in the market <laughs> that just threw this guy that they didn't know. And, and so what made Rocky work? And I asked him and I said, Sly, did you have any idea um, that when you were making Rocky, you were making Rocky? And he said, no. You know. So the thing is, they were making something that they believed in something that they really thought was heartfelt and it captured, you know, everyone's imagination. Right. So back to the, back to where we started, not to sidetrack us too much, but I think emotion and where you want to go and, and how you want to connect with people and, and uplift sounds too pretentious, but, but if you can uplift them, I mean, that Rocky did that. And, and I think Jurassic Park sort of did it in its own way too. Right. Where you just sort of feel like, Oh, <gasps> um that's what you're really after yeah absolutely yeah yeah there's um definitely that movie um has run through uh, no maybe slightly different things at each point in my life um rocky particularly and, and maybe jurassic park as well um going going from um well it's essentially now what, what I think of is um, you know, his his idea of it's not it's not how hard you get hit it's the fact you can get hit and keep getting up again or whatever up again. something like that um, <clears throat> yeah. which is is really inspiring to me you know as um, somebody who's um, you know, trying to continually push the edge of what I I'm capable of um, personally professionally um, and you know, starting ventures and businesses and things, um, that that really rings true for me because um, yeah, there is there are so many challenges in life, and I think it's a it's a very classic story which he, he was basically writing about himself Without in question. that movie and, and what he was going through at the time 
um, to actually make the movie. It's very kind of meta in that way. Hundred percent. That movie. But and, it was, and the line that Rocky basically said he just wanted to go the distance, right? He didn't care about mm -hmm. winning. <clears throat> he just wanted to go the distance against the best. And yep. I think that's sort of another sort of great sort of segue into some of the things that right in, in your career and in, in my career, we've worked with some of the best in the business, right? Uh, uh, whether it's cinematographers, actors, directors, whatever it is, you know, we've had this sort of, you know, those people, um, you know, pass through as part of the process. And, you know, I have yet to, to, to meet one of those people that really just didn't want to tell a really great story. Um, yeah. And, you know, you talked about this at the beginning, you know, one of the things that I sort of feel is, is my job as a storyboard artist. Um, and um, I do believe I've cultivated pretty well over the years I've been in the business. Um, four or five years. That <laughs> yes, doing four, this, four yeah. or five years. I'm just a very quick learn. Um, uh, is, um, and this is all makeup. I'm really only 24, but I just wanted to look more mature for the, for the show. Um, is, is the idea that what is it that you're trying to say? So when I sit down with a director, any director, um, they have lots of ideas, obviously. They've been thinking about this for a while, whether it's a commercial or a television show or, or, a, or a feature. They've been thinking about it for a while and they're, they have some real opinions about that. Sometimes they'll come in, especially in, in something like a shorter format, like a commercial, they'll have real ideas about equipment. We should use this kind of camera or, or uh, a speed drone or this sort of thing. Um, and I'm not suggesting for one second that they aren't you know, spot on with what they're suggesting, but I'll, I'll, I'll run them through the process as to why, where, where are we going and how does your equipment support, your choice of equipment support you know, where you wanna go. You know, again, borrowing, going back to, to, to the two movies we've already discussed, both of those relied heavily on story to enchant you and a lot less on, on, on the hoopla, the fireworks, the whatever, right? I mean, Rocky in particular had nothing fancy going for it. It was old running gun filmmaking and, and Jurassic Park by today's standards, right? visual effects standards would also be considered run and gun. You know, um, they did a lot of things practically. They did not rely on, on visual effects that the way other things did. And they, they told compelling stories that, that made you feel something. Yeah, they, they were quite smart to know when to back off into practical and how, what their limitations were. And I think that's something which um, often in, in visual effects is kind of glossed over a bit because you can do so much more that you think you should you know and going back to the the line about jurassic park itself um the concept of creating a dinosaur theme park um you know maybe maybe not such a bad idea you know <laughs> and same same with um yeah with visual effects often it's like it's and it, it's again it's okay to have entirely visual effects and, or, or computer graphics and there's some movies that are made completely in computer graphics that couldn't be made another way like so um particularly thinking of the pixar movies and mm -hmm. you know they're all entirely cg and they still um so they, they, they don't have anything else but uh, they start from uh, almost you know famously um obsessing with the story for a very long time crafting it and working with it and waiting until it's something that's really unique and special and has magic in it before jumping into the next part of the process and actually which going is which is it. why you know i used to teach uh, an adobe illustrator class and you know the youngsters in the class wanted to immediately go to the software and start creating stuff and i would make them sketch on paper what they what their ideas were because i i think in my own you know i use photoshop and illustrator and in design and uh, i've 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 worked in unreal engine and uh, you know, a few other programs. And I think the thing is that I always, I, I don't want to get limited by how I know how to use the software. I, I want to take an idea I have and have, and, and, and force me to use the software uh, to, to elevate the idea to where I want it to go, as opposed to going, well, I only know how to use it this way. So that's how I'm going to do it. Um, right. So I think, 
um, and you and I have talked about this um, before. You know, I had the great privilege when I went to art school of a, of a teacher that I had that uh, that I really respected, a highly flamboyant teacher who was just beloved. And and at one point we had sketches up on the wall, and and this was the first day of this illustration class, and. Uh, I don't know whether he really had it in for me or just it was luck of the draw, but he took my Probably. no, 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 no. <laughs> he, he he took my sketch off the wall, stomped all over it, and then put it back up on the wall. And all of our mouths were agape, none none wider than mine. And he said, "These are all ideas. God willing, in your life, you will have millions of these. So don't treat them as if they're your baby." And right. that was really helpful for me. And, and I also had a dear friend that, that always sketched in pen. He never, he never did in pencil. And I stole this from him. Um, and now whenever I work with a director, I, I sit there literally with, with a pad of paper and a pen and old school. And I, and I sit there and, and I thumbnail things out as we're talking with no concern, right? In the sense of I put down whatever I sort of feel is right and rough things in. And, and I'll be my favorite line or, or the line that you'll hear me use again and again, something like this. <laughs> and they'll be like, yeah, or no bigger, you know, no, I was thinking a wider lens or, you know, further back or that's shite or whatever. But, but at least it gives us some place to start with. And, and it was a throwaway. Um, uh, it was not something I labored over too long or, or went, Hey, hey hang on, I'm going to sketch this and then I'm going to go into Photoshop and, make it all beautiful and come bring back to you. Idea, uh, ideas and idea exchange should be in my, my opinion, quick and clean and honest. Um, and that I always felt this way as an illustrator that lots of times when I went to a finished illustration, it lost a little life because in the sketch, it was just about sort of getting it down. When I was going to the finish, I was worried about the world thought of it. I can't, I would feel like Hearing you say that again, I feel like I wish I'd had that uh, experience. Now, going through doing pre-production on my own um, ideas, my own short films, things I was working on, um, particularly early on, I would rush through the pre-production far too quickly and get it down because it wasn't my expertise uh, drawing. And I felt like you know, now knowing a little more, especially having met you and um, learned a lot from you, about this, um, not worrying um, too much about that part and just letting the ideas come through and also being being happy to, to share them with the right people, but not get too attached to them. I think it, that was my um, uh, trap, I guess, early on, uh, particularly, was getting stuck with those ideas and just thinking either like I didn't want to have to tear them up because I was attached to them or yes. um, yeah, just, just not understanding how to do that or feeling like, oh, that's the idea now. Okay, it's down. That means it's, that's it. Um, and it's, it's taken me a lot longer to, to learn that. So I think it's really cool that you had that, um, even if it was a painful experience. It um, wasn't that painful. I, I, I was only stunned for a day or so. <laughs> <laughs> it only took 15 years of therapy yeah, to, that's uh, right. to weed it out. Well, well, 20, but, you know, who, who's counting? Yeah. But um. Yeah, so I, I really believe, and, and, and when I, you know, one of the real takeaways I've had um, with, with directors, and, and um, I've had the privilege to work with Gore Verbinski on several projects, and, and the guy's a natural-born storyteller. I mean, I, mean I, I don't think you can be a successful director and not be a natural-born storyteller, but he, he has a real gift for it. I and mean, one of the things I always joked about is the fact that sometimes when I worked with him, you know, we'd sit down and have a meeting and we would sketch things together and Gore would sketch also, to your point. Um, I have a great deal of respect for, for Mr. Verbinski, but he's not the greatest artist in the world, but he does it with great flair. I mean, he'll, he'll show you a sketch and go, see, this is what Rango's doing. And you're like, is, is, that, a, is, is that an elephant humping a, a, a football? You know, <laughs> um, I can't tell what that is, but he goes, no, 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 that's Rango walking down the street. Oh, okay. But that's he, why that was in the movie. Exactly. Right. He's very, he's very clear. And, and he also seems to have like a photographic memory for things because sometimes I, I would meet with him and, and I, I would think I was smarter than he on some level or whatever. And we'd sketch, so we'd do, walk through things. And then, you know, a few days later, I'd have to present my frames. And, it, and I'd, I'd, I'd go, yeah, I don't think you need this shot to myself. You don't, you don't need this shot. And I would keep it out or, or I'd draw it in my own way or whatever. And he'd be like, where's the shot I asked you to draw about the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, how do you remember? 
remember that you're drunk, you're talking to other storyboard artists and it was a week ago. How do you know that? But he, he, it's like, he's already seen it in his head. And he was a guy very much, whether you like his work or don't like his work, he really wanted to enthrall people. That's what he really wanted to do. He, he wanted to surprise and delight. And, and uh, that was a, uh, a real gift that I got from working with him and, and watching him work is the fact that it really is about entertainment and the tools are, are sort of a fun side project. Um, the, you know, and he loved like talking with, you know, if you can do it practically and, and, and I will say this, nothing against visual effects, but you know, if you can do it practically, there's a, a certain honesty about it where I sort of feel like Unreal Engine in particular works. I just worked on a, on a huge Coca-Cola commercial. It's well, it's still in process, but so shh, don't tell anybody. But it's, there's a piece of it that's really using Unreal. And, and because of actually my work with you and the class that I took with you um, regarding that, um, I was able to sort of talk about um, how Unreal works and how effective it can be um, as a tool, but like any tool, also this is, you know, here's where it's ideal and here's where maybe not as much ideal. Um, and, um, you know, it's fantastic to, to learn the various tools and expand them and unreal in particular, because, um, unreal, basically you get to be a full, full on full filmmaker, right? It, right? it does everything, not, not every software. If you're working, you know, in Maya or other softwares that are used in visual effects, they can't necessarily make a whole movie, but, but um, you could make a whole movie in Unreal or certainly, uh, I mean, as, as you well know, uh, you know, pre-production uses it a lot, you know, um, so um, it's, a, it's an amazing tool, but it still comes down to if you don't know what the shots are, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, and yeah. And if you don't mind, can I talk about previs a little bit? Absolutely, yeah. 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 So um, in my experience on a few big budget features, right? there are storyboard artists because a lot of the directors still like to hash things out. And then it would go to the previs team. And, and I became friends with some amazing previs artists who could just do things. And I'm just like, how did you do that? I, don't, I do not understand how you did that. But they would often confide in me that, that they what they loved was having a script as it were, a visual script as in storyboards. And then they would go, Ooh, yeah, this is how I can make that shot better. Right. I can, you did it from this angle, but I, if I, if I slid the camera way over here and did that, then, then it's even more powerful, but they weren't necessarily um, excited about having to figure out the story visually on their own. So we worked really well together because they could take an idea and then expand it way out but they really appreciated the idea of the homework done on the front end of really working it out visually, you know, thinking it out carefully in advance. And, and I think both of us in our experience have had moments where we've either personally done it or been part of projects when you're not thinking it out carefully up front and you often pay for it later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, because I'm probably brought up and uh, working on a short film of my own early on um just way not enough time in pre-production and then i was making all of those shots and staying up till four in the morning finishing them and thinking oh this shot's not even really that good and <laughs> it doesn't doesn't even fit in the story but i have to now have to do it yeah if i'd have um paid that price at less of that price early then i could have worked out all of those kinks and figured out that's good the um what i often refer to previs and story the story process and filmmaking in, in the early stages is, is all about decision making and you're trying to make the right decisions to be able to achieve a certain outcome like you know any project really whether it's engineering or or artistic you're you're trying to achieve a certain kind of outcome and figure out how to achieve that outcome and the process of of doing that is a lot of decision making trial and error lots of lots of very common principles to creating anything really and i think that, that um what you do so well is in um with communication getting the ideas out of people the ideas that are maybe there but helping them get those out um, and then helping to render them in their first form as thumbnails or or more refined boards and then being able to go from there and work with 
previous, like you're saying, um, to to great effect, being able to still and, and I worked with um, story people, including yourself, um, and uh, well, working with Dave Lowry on the the uh, legendary Dave Lowry. Let's just say the, that. Le- the legendary Dave Lowry, lovely yeah, guy. D- yeah, super lovely and, guy, and, um, and, a, and a legend in the business. Yeah, I had a chance to worked, work with him on Rango. Yeah, he worked on um, Jurassic Park too. Um, there's a few few people on that movie who I was like. Yeah, a couple of people worked on Jurassic Park. No, but but few, but I think Dave, <laughs> I think Dave did the majority of the storyboards, and 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 yeah. um, I was a super geek about Dave Lowry's work because um, you know I had the making of Jurassic Park with a lot of his sketches in it, and I was like, oh my god, these are amazing. Me too. And then, yeah. and then I then I had the privilege of sharing an office with him on uh, on Rango, and uh, and and actually he autographed that book and drew a couple more drawings in it for my daughter Elsa, who is a huge fan of Jurassic Park. Oh man, yeah, he's a sweet. But if that yeah. copy ever goes missing at the same time <laughs> as I'm coming around for dinner, I, I, then I won't. I won't come to your there. house looking for it. Yes, <laughs> I am a tiny bit exactly. jealous. Though. Um, um, but no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, and um, you know, one of the things that that I uh, I love doing is that sort of just me and the director in a room and trying to find out where to go and that exchange of ideas, right? And and one of the things, and obviously you know this, obviously because you're highly creative and 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 worked in a lot of different aspects of this business. But you know the the fun part for me is the building, right? You have the the pitch of the idea, which is like, eh. but then you go a couple more, a couple more, a couple more, and then all of a sudden there's that moment where you're like, oh, that idea, yes, that idea. But it's the exchange of ideas, and again, not being too attached to you know be attached to the goal of creating something great but not too attached to how you're going to get there. And I think that's the problem sometimes along the way, especially for me and my experience with younger filmmakers is they're like, they're sure they're going to do it this way and they're only going to need this and they're only going to need that. And I'm like, okay, you'll find your way. Good luck. Yeah. God bless you. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely had that, you know, in, in, in that experience making the short film, I, I learned at the end by through pain, you know, I was up at four in the morning <laughs> thinking if I had have done this differently, if I'd have listened to somebody told me that at the time, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is good. These boards are fine. Um, if I'd have listened to my friend Ollie at the time who, who uh, recommended that I did a little bit more, um, then I would have saved myself a lot, of, a lot of trouble later on. And then, yeah, further on than that, being able to be around um, people like yourself and, and Dave and understand, understand what's, what the outcome is, what's trying to be done. It's not just about... Uh, I think a lot of the time when you're in the process part of the process, you know, the after a lot of the creative's been decided, if you're in the sort of uh, facilitating rendering end of it, the other end, sometimes you can not necessarily understand the reasons for things um, unless you look at it through the the lens of a filmmaker and think about what are you, what are we trying to do? We're not trying to, we're not just trying to get to the end. We're trying to achieve an outcome we're trying to trying to change people's lives you know it's not maybe in uh, the same way as uh, a surgeon or something like that but in in a different way and um you know that that opportunity is a is a gift i love um my old boss uh, john favreau i love his uh, line in chef when he's talking about that to his son and saying um when he's being resistant to cleaning the dirty food truck <laughs> that they're preparing um you know, and he's he's kind of chastising him about not making enough effort and not caring enough and saying no i i love this i love i love cooking for people you know you get to touch people's lives with doing this and it's it's another in that form you know food is a form of entertainment and a, a, a sense that you can um you can change and, and change someone's life it's, yeah. yeah, Wayne Dyer said, it is always in the service of others that we find the bliss we are seeking. Now, that sounds very lofty and, and very woo-woo, but I think in a way, as a storyteller, I, I have yet to meet a director, whether it's a commercial, a music video, um, uh, a feature film, television series, where the director, she or he, you know, haven't just wanted people to just have fun. To, to uplift them, to engage them, whatever. Sure, there's ego involved and all that sort of stuff, but uh, there, I have yet to meet a director, even the most sort of 
self-involved director who just didn't want to give it as a gift to the world and go, love this, have fun with this. And, and um, I think that's one of, again, the most uh, crucial things in all of this is as you're doing this, you know, really think about your audience, right? You know, don't, don't, they don't, they don't care about what is it? You, you, when you, when you go to a restaurant, you don't want to know the process. You just want the food to be awesome. You don't want to know how hard yeah. it was, whether they, they, they had to, you know, go to the Himalayas to actually get the Himalayan salt, whatever. You just want the food to be delicious. And, and um, I think that's the thing where, where sometimes, I think sometimes as artists were like, but look how hard I'm working and look at all the stuff I'm doing. And it's like, yeah, great. Congratulations. Yeah. Look how technically brilliant it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you see what I did? And, and by the way, that's perfect, right? So all the geeks, right? We all have little, my wife is a makeup artist. And when she's watching a movie, she's watching it through the, mm. through the eyes of, of a makeup artist and, and seeing the amazing things or the mistakes. And as a storyteller, I'm, 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 I'm sort of worried about where, where the story falls apart, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And I'm sure as a VFX expert, right? With years of experience, you've, you've you sometimes watch and go, well, that's not rendered very well or, or whatever. But um, yeah, I think, um, I think, again, it still all comes down to the front sometimes end. I'll, I'll, I was just going to say to that point, sometimes I'll, I'll watch it and think, oh, that wasn't rendered that well. And then also think, and I don't care. <laughs> you know, it's amazing how, uh, it, you know, when you obsess about it, that it can become the be all and end all. And I've definitely had directors that have, or, or supervisors that have kind of fiddled around with little tiny bits of the frame um, and in, in trying to compensate for what was something much bigger than that earlier on in the process, whether it's actually, we don't need this shot or this yes. shot would, is being shot for the wrong angle. And remember the commercials and movies and things where we're just there spending hundreds and hundreds of hours just throwing everything we could at the shot. And all it really needed was the, uh, that's the wrong camera angle just right. shoot it down here yeah, you don't yeah. need to do anything else we do adding explosions and dust and kitchen sink and film <laughs> yeah, grain yeah, and yeah. just panic chucking stuff into it instead of taking a step back and being really honest about it and going but i think mm, that's the no. thing that misses so one of the things that i always laugh about is is like on a, on a invariably on a on a commercial say for example right where storyboards are king right that's a Storyboards is the visual agreement that a director gives to the agency and the client. Um, so storyboards are always used in commercials. Other mediums, not, not necessarily always, but, but certainly in, in, in commercials, they're always used. But the thing that I find is funny is, like you're saying, some of the obsession. I'll be obsessed, like, why is that girl wearing a blue sweater? She'd be, wear she'd be, she'd be wearing a pink sweater. Well, she's in the deep background. Actually, the camera is only on her for a split second, then we pan over to the product. No, no, no. Why? And they'll spend hours dickering over that. And I think to myself, if somebody is going to be sitting at home observing the girl in the wrong sweater, then we have a lot more to worry about in this commercial. Or to humanity in general. Yeah, and in, in general. So, so and, and, and as you said, right, there, there have been movies that I've seen where the budget was nothing and it's totally sucked me in. And there are movies that I've gone to watch that are hundreds of millions of dollars and have just been like, is this thing almost over? So it, it really is about engaging the people. And that comes down to your emotional awareness and then where you want to go and, and, the, and, and being clear. You and I have talked about this before, right? That, that I've always like, I use the metaphor of the TV show in the movie Friday Night Lights where, you know, you have the football team and they, their mission statement is on the uh, on the doors, they're walking out and they slap it, you know, so clear hearts, whatever, wh whatever it was, I can't remember exactly, but, but it's like, if your mission statement is uh, engage and enthrall your audience and give them something they've never felt or seen before, and you paste that up, then everything that you're doing from how you're breaking down the story to the visual effects that you're doing should support that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, then um i'd love it if you could take a maybe a minute to kind of talk about your process you know how for some of the people that might be watching this they may be thinking about ideas that they're trying to make and thinking well it's all right for him he's been in the uh, story industry for a like, thousand years um and uh, two or three years exactly so um 
yeah, I was wondering if you'd be able to kind of like, I, I know that there's no sort of formula to this necessarily, but I know that you also have an, an approach, so. Yeah, um, f formula, no, but definitely, um, I, I always start with um, where do we want to go? Not, I, don't, I don't care about the, the shots, whatever, whether, it's, whether you're talking about it from a story standpoint or an emotional standpoint, I want to know where we're ending up because then we'll, we'll find our way of how to back into that. Um, I don't, at the beginning, you know, when we're talking about, well, this is how we're going to start and, and, and it's going to be this huge crane shot and we're going to do this. Okay, I'm really excited about all of those things. I just want to know where we're going because I want to make sure everything that we're doing on, that we're loading on the front end is pointing us in that direction, supporting that idea. Um, and again, because of the fact that, that I, I, I uh, feel cheated when I go to a, a movie and I don't feel anything, you know, scare me, make me laugh, make me just uh, amazed or whatever. But if I, at the end, I just kind of go, oh, huh, I, I really want my money back. And, and there's no working around that. Um, so yes, I sit down and I start with, where do we want to go? And then um, uh, I start talking about sort of the emotionality of it. And then what shots evoke that emotionality? And there are a lot of famous directors along the way that, that knew this consciously and or intuitively, you know, Hitchcock, when you, when you bring the, the camera down to the floor, I used to thought when I was first seeing Hitchcock movies as, a, as a, somebody interested in film, I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. He brought the camera down on the floor. Oh, wow. It's like, but he wasn't trying to be cool. He was evoking an emotion and that where you put the camera and how you move the camera is completely evocative of how you make people feel, right? If you, if you put the camera looking down on somebody, that gives you a different motion, emotion than when you are looking up at somebody, right? That's all heroic. This is sort of like, you know, oh, you know you're sort of in the, in the power position. And if you watch that, right, you know, if somebody's talking to Batman, Batman is always lower angle <laughs> and the person he's talking to, you're always looking down on them. And, and those are all things that evoke emotion and they're all very conscious choices. And I think, you know, filmmaking, especially sequential filmmaking, I mean, storytelling, uh, which filmmaking is, is really about how, how shots bleed together to make you feel something. And one of my favorite things in this industry is the fact that, you know, people get excited about words on a script. Oh. You know, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And they'll be, you know, one of my favorite things is uh, uh, I worked on a, a film project where literally at a certain point it says, and the best uh, car chase scene ever ensues. And I'm like, really? Really? How much money did you get paid for that? Mr. Academy Award winning um, um, screenwriter. I'm like, really? You're just going to leave it like that? And then, you know, we have to figure everything else out. Can't you give us? It's a little something to go on, um, but I think that's the thing where um, you're you're not writing a novel and you're not writing a script. You are telling a visual story, and you need to be very conscientious about the images you choose, and because it's sequential storytelling, how do those images work together? And so, so how do you um, begin, say, when you're given a script? Um, or an idea. Some I know sometimes people come to you with just an idea, just a one line with just a, a, a an outcome, or, or they may have a script. How do you kind of start to well, um, work with them to do help? Do you mind if I share the screen? I can I can give yes. you an example of uh, yep. Please do. Of, of something that um, so I worked. Um, uh, a few years ago on a project for um, uh, a big European um, um, grocery store chain. And um, they do this amazing long format commercial at Christmas time to evoke all sorts of emotions. So I worked with a, with a very famous commercial director um, uh, from MJZ um, and he, he's an, I've learned so much from him and, and uh, he's just a killer storyteller. But basically where we started was he had done some research. So he'd worked on robot sketches, right? So I had some idea of what the robot looked like and he had done plenty of research about sort of the vibes, some concept art, 
stills he had pulled from other things. Um, so we had sort of a feeling, right, of what things wanted to feel like. So he had really done that homework. So I had things to reference. And then um, he worked up a shot list. Um, and not every director does this. Sometimes I'm literally just brainstorming with the director. And as I said before, you know, the director will say, I'm thinking of uh, an extreme close-up of the woman. And I'll, and I'll be like, okay, extreme close-up of the woman. Okay. Um, and she's, uh, you know, the ocean is behind her. Okay, cool. So something like this. So literally it won't be any more complicated than that. And the director will be like, yes, that's it, exactly. I love when, when they say that as opposed to, no, you idiot, that's not it at all. But we, we start with that process um, and then sort of work through. But in this particular case, the director Matthias, who I worked with on this project, um, had worked up a shot list where he talks about the world. And here you can see, again, it's a bit scripty where it says a street, the big city, but something's wrong. The street is deserted. So all of this is great. And it's explaining the feeling, but it's not talking about shots. So then he and I, or sometimes a director will ask me to take a first pass on my own. Um, we'll start turning this kind of stuff uh, into, um, into shots. Now, if I go through this entire thing, because Matthias is very meticulous, um, um, this really doesn't describe a shot. A shot for me needs a, an action and a camera angle at the very minimum. So what's, what's, what's happening in the scene and what is the camera doing? Where, where, what's its lensing? Is the camera moving? That starts to describe a shot. Telling me how pretty the street is and that there are leaves blowing is not describing a shot. Um, so, so, so at this point, you've basically got some reference. You've got some word reference and you've got some visual reference, but you don't have your shots. I do not have a shot. So yeah. he and I would talk about this or he would just sort of go, you know, uh, you, you know the basic thing. The robot needs to get from here to here. Here's what I'm sort of thinking. Take a first pass. So, for example, you know, if, if we were introducing the robot, you know, in this world, um, you know, I would use the reference that he has is given me, and then both in the in the robot and in the world, I would sort of work up something. And I and I use a lot of uh, tricks from animation where you know things that are darker, you know, are closer in the foreground, and you start losing detail as you get further away. Obviously, things you know well in in the work that you do, but. Um, the thing that I would do is say, for instance, for this first shot is I would go, okay, there we go. So there's there, and it wouldn't be anything more complicated than this. So it would be like, so here's your foreground building. Here's the buildings across the street. There's your little robot moving down the street. Now, the thing in having worked in Unreal um, in your class that I, I wish is, I've been doing this for a while so I can start to see how you know, in my head, I can start seeing things a little bit, but I really wish lots of times, especially when things get complicated with camera movement in a space, I would love to set it up in Unreal and move the camera around and see how it looks instead of trying to imagine what that looks like in my head. Can you can Well, you do it just so happens. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Here, I'm gonna stop sharing. Just so happens. I happen to have a scene right here in, in a street in Unreal that uh, we can do that with. What are the chances? All right, here we go, we'll share screen. Okay. Can you see that okay? Yep. Awesome. Okay, so yeah, in this scene I've basically blocked out a simple street um, in Unreal. Um, I haven't gone to too much trouble with the buildings, obviously they're just big cubes. Um, uh, put in some very rough indicators for maybe some cars that we could move around, a little bit of sidewalk. Um, but really, it's just kind of blocks. And the cool thing about that is that it's really easy to kind of grab one of them and move it around and 
to to the point earlier and not have to care about it. You don't don't you don't get too attached to it. What happens a lot when people throw pretty things in straight away is they get attached to them and they're like, no, we can't move that. It looks nice. Whereas yeah, kind of should I, move I, that. I, I spent five hours rendering that tree. That tree's staying right there. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so yeah, in in the scene we've got a simple mannequin and some cubes that I laid out, and this is the process that I use for doing filmmaking and what we teach in the class as well. So this um, this approach allows you to be really loose um, and have your camera here. We can um, push into looking through the camera. So I can also uh, jump into this camera and use this to frame up, maybe start from that position of the close up that Josh was talking about and say, okay, that's where we are in that shot. That's what we're looking at. We're, um, oh, ignore the fact that it's uh, it's not liking me and popping out. Um, anyway. Well, I don't so, like it. That, I don't like it that we, much either. So it's still okay. <laughs> we, uh, sorry, I'm just going to jump out of it. Um, so yeah, we can we can frame this camera up and start looking at this, which is where the storyboard frame got to, and yes. and now, to your point. You can say, okay, that's interesting. So, so, I mean, the great thing about what you have here, so, so this is where I think it's fantastic is, um, although I, I, I still personally would, would always sort of want to try to work things out on paper before I got too mired in this so that I had some idea what, where I really wanted to go. Because I think the problem is if you kind of go, wow, this is great. I rendered this and like, what's the next shot? Where do, where do I go next? But what I love about being in here is, is the thing about where you, once you've sort of laid it out with a real camera and lensing is if I said, Ed, you know what? Um, I like this, but I'd like to see what it looks like more raised. Can you, can you, can you give me that close up, but bring camera up? And that's something that, yes, I can do in a storyboard, but it's really cool the way Unreal can, can really allow you to make different decisions as a filmmaker. Yeah, ah, super easy so, to. So, so that gives us a different feel than just being, you know, lower. And and you can start learning. And and by the way, that's the thing that I if I if you were messing about as a new filmmaker in the great tool of Unreal is I would start I would literally go okay here's um, here's a front on shot and I would start going what do I feel when I move so I move the camera over here what does that make me feel when I move over here what does that make me feel and start categorizing that. In your, head, in your head as your bag of tricks, where it's like, oh, when I raise the camera or when I pull the camera away, he feels lonely. Oh, okay, good. So that could come in handy later. Yeah, so yeah, being really easy to be able to change the camera angle, you don't have to redraw it. You can essentially get your, make your decisions here and really easily jump about. You can take screenshots, you can lay these cameras out using a, you know, a simple sequencer. Maybe you could start to keyframe this camera and um, move move the camera around, um, set some more keyframes so you can start to rough out, um, which is the way I tend to approach camera blocking, just create a simple level sequence, simple scene, simple level sequence, just block out with a single camera, block and start blocking out your shots. Then you can start seeing it straight away on the move as well. You don't have to render an animatic from, from story. You you um you can also put your story frames in here as a reference and use them, which is what we did a lot on uh, with Dave Lowry and uh, the Lion King. So you see the you see the sketches and and emulate them or expand on them as you need it. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe have them in here with like okay, this is where we think our camera is going to go. We put our camera in here and see, does that work? Okay, maybe we need to go a little bit over here, or maybe there's like a whole different moment over here, which is way better or under here because yes. it's a really dramatic shot or, you know, those those kinds of things are super quick and easy to do. And you can get all the filmmakers together and just do it. You know, someone from stories, someone from editorial, director, DP, production designer, animation supervisor, all of, all of those people in this session Make those choices, and and then no, like I said, to the decision making component of what this is. But to to borrow to borrow Alfred Hitchcock, right? Alfred Hitchcock did so much thinking on the front end, right? 
concept art, storyboards, uh, uh, talking with the actors, adjusting the script, all that sort of stuff. He said, by the time I got to the set, a monkey could direct it. And I think the, the big thing is the more homework you do on the front end, the more freedom you have to discover and play on the other end. And that's a another great Gore Verbinski quote for me that really inspired me once was he talked about the fact that when I make a movie, I, I have the pre-production movie, right? Where all things are possible. And I'm daydreaming and working with concept artists and storyboard artists that were just having a blast imagining what it could be. Then there's the shooting movie where you, 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 you're in these you know, amazing locations and which we didn't have when we were storyboarding. And, and you can see the sun is setting over here. And so you didn't imagine it as sunset shot, but now you should because it's amazing. And you have a cinematographer on the set who's making certain suggestions and that sort of thing. So you're, and, and then you, and you run into certain things like you were supposed to shoot this way, but two weeks earlier, a uh, flood came and you know, took out the bridge. So you can't shoot that way. You have to shoot over here now. So you're making different decisions. And then there's the edited movie where you brought everything that, you know, all along the process. And now you're putting the final piece together. And he said, uh, that's where the movie tells you what it wants to be. I mean, and the amazing thing about Unreal is there's still no shortcutting the being a good storyteller, right? I mean, even though Unreal can allow you to do pre-production, production, and, and post-production in one, in one sitting, as it were. Um, if, you, if you don't have a good story to tell and you haven't really thought about it from, a, from an emotional standpoint, um, which, which every enduring movie, if, if we pulled scenes from your favorite movies, oh, I love that, I love that shot, and we started to break why, down why we love it. There are real choices that the, the director made to, to make you feel a certain thing. And if you're not thinking that way in Unreal, then it doesn't matter how great a tool Unreal is if you're really not um, utilizing it to, to evoke, evoke a feelings in people. And, co and cool isn't a feeling. Oh, it's so cool that I can do this. Okay, that's great, but it's not really a feeling. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Josh, this has been awesome. I uh, really, really appreciate you coming on here. Um, we're, we're getting close to time. Um, I just want to thank you very, very much for coming on. Um, and, you know, talk about uh, what, what we're up to as well, just for a second. Um, take a second to move something which met, we've mentioned a couple of times throughout this that um, people might be interested in. Um, uh, and talk about our eight week experience learning unreal for filmmakers um but yeah first i just wanted to say a huge thank you to you um, and, and by the way i would highly suggest if you want to be a good filmmaker take uh, the class that ed and his wife jackie teach they are some of the best storytellers in the business and uh the class is amazing um i am uh, we joke ed and i joke i'm a pencil and pen guy right i mean i i use softwares but i'm i i i have uh, aversions and um, the way they taught Unreal is amazing, and it's a, it's an amazing tool. Yeah, tell me um, just for a, a minute about your experience with it and in learning it and what it's kind of meant to you. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, I took it mainly for the idea that I knew it was a tool that was growing in the industry, and I wanted to. I, I don't intend necessarily to to be a technician um, in Unreal, but I wanted to understand how it worked and. Um, the way you took us through the class, I mean, and, and we had a mixed group, right? I mean, you had people in the class that were visual effects artists, you had people that had no experience whatsoever, and you had somebody like me who, you know, I have tons of storytelling experience, but I, I, I knew nothing about the software, um, and, I'm, and I'm not a gamer or anything like that. But the way you broke out the class was um, very easy to follow. I love the fact that, again, right at the beginning, you did what you just suggested there, which is I'm gonna teach you how to sort of initially, you know, lock things in so you get the story the way you want. And then I'm gonna show you how to really render that out and how you really move your cameras through. So it's a very comprehensive class on, on the cinematography of it, you know, the lighting of it, the, the how, this, how the systems work, um, how you can change things, how you can build worlds. Um, so it was very um, educational for me. Um, and, I, and I had a really good friend who, um, my friend Tom, who um, really 
it, 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 he makes me look like a genius in, in, uh, uh, in software. Um, he's the king of the Luddites and he loved it too for that very sense of seeing its capabilities as a storytelling tool. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, this has been really awesome um, working with you in it and also now amazing to welcome you back as someone who um, helps in the process as well and being there for people in the early stages and helping them go through the experience as well helping them with their yeah, I mean I, we're, we're friends um, and but I I definitely don't want to ruin my professional uh, uh, stature <laughs> supporting something but this is a really it was an amazing class and and again you know I have the greatest respect for you and Jackie and and you guys really run this class amazingly well and I, I think anyone who's just interested in both storytelling and where where storytelling is going, even if you don't want to be a technician, having this in your back pocket is only going to make you a better storyteller. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate it. Yeah, we uh, it's something we pour our hearts into and are really passionate about. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to share a couple of things about it um, while we're on the subject. Um, I won't take up too much of your or anyone who's watching time, but um, just to share a few quick details on our upcoming classes. We keep doing them every couple of months. Um, yeah, so our, our mission is to help people learn virtual production and CG um, in a supportive environment for less cost and more industry relationships than going to a university might do. Um, we are predominantly help filmmakers and visual effects artists and people who are keen on getting into the industry, get more experience, learn Unreal if they haven't used it before. Um, so I'll just give you a few details. Also, we've had plenty of people with intermediate level skills take it and learn more. Um, did we teach from filmmaking principles like we've kind of gone through here tonight? Um, There's a little bit about, about myself and I've been in the industry 15 years and worked on some cool stuff like uh, Jungle Book and Jurassic World and some childhood dreams have come true. Lucky for me, um, I've also been a teacher for a number of years. Um, Jackie is our, she's my wife and our assistant instructor. She's been in the industry longer than me um, and has a resume longer than mine. And uh, she's amazing. I'm very biased, but uh, she also um, has gone through the Epic Fellowship, worked in real time um, for a couple of studios and uh, is here as assistant instructor. Um, yeah, we've had a, Lots of different people, as I said, take the class, heads of studios, senior artists. Um, so five people who have taken the fellowship, um, some CG supervisors, uh, VFX artists, directors, DPs, camera people, um, art department, um, lots of educators and, and some college students as well, supplementing their learning. So um, there's a little quote here saying, believe in yourself, you're braver than you think, more talented than you know, and capable of more than you imagine. And that certainly speaks to my 14-year-old uh, me who was dreaming of working on Jurassic World and took about 20-something years to get, get around to it, but, but it happened, it's true. And um, part of uh, luck, but uh, mostly hard work, commitment to a, an idea um, and an outcome. Um, we have, usually have four guest speakers come in. Um, we have you know, story, uh, virtual production department supervisors, um, virtual production lighting specialists, um, and many more. Um, what you get for signing up is you, know, you get the eight weeks. There's 48 plus hours of live instruction. So it's all very interactive on Zoom. You get access to the course platform ongoing, all the recordings. You get all the master classes we've ever done uh, going back as long as we've been doing it. Um, there's a downloadable project material, the slides. There's a lot, a lot of material that you get. Um, week one, we go, go through um, somewhat uh, in much more depth than what we've just been going through tonight. Um, we then go through a lot of very um, good industry workflows, proper production workflows layout and timeline. Week three, we go in deep dive into the environments. Week four, lighting materials with development. Um, week five, going deep into the sequencer and animation and learning how to properly cut things up into shots using the confusing level sequence. Um, then into um, cameras and virtual production, blueprints, um, composure, stage tech. Uh, week seven, 
into rendering and optimizing in uh, week eight, we help you wrap up your projects. And the project goes all the way from week one to the end. Um, there's a few testimonials, I won't read them out, um, but uh, pause the video and check them out. And um, if you're interested in joining us, um, feel free to sign up for a call. Um, if you join up in the next 24 hours, um, we have two spots left, I think. Um, there's a discount code for you right here. Um, the sign up page link, um, again, pause or Jackie may be um, putting the links in the chat. Um, if you still have questions, you want to sign up for a call with me, feel free. That, I'm happy to do that. Um, that's a way to sign up for that. Um, we're also introducing a new VIP program that's um, by appointment only. We have two spaces, um, or one space left, I think, um, for that. That's basically all of that, plus you get uh, more individual attention one-to-one -one with me, a bunch of other um, courses and free gifts, um, and uh, a year's access to our inner circle, um, as detailed right here. <laughs> so um, also a little uh, tech setup session, which a lot of people need to go through or want to go through. Uh, maybe it's helped setting up Perforce or something in, else in your pipeline that you need help with um, with me personally. So that's a new a new addition that we've got. Um, we also have um, some affiliate opportunities if you're interested in joining us and helping to spread the message um, about these courses that we're doing. Uh, so please reach out to us and ask us about that. And that is about it. Um, so that said, um, Hopefully that didn't take up too much of your evening <clears throat> sharing that information, but I just want to share it if, if anyone's interested. We have a couple of spots left for our um, class starting this weekend. Um, if you're interested, let us know. Um, if you're interested in taking another one, let us know too. This um, is the last time we're doing it at the current price. Um, it's going up for September. Um, so good time to jump in whilst we're doing lots and lots of interactive and live hours and a very good price. Uh, anyway, I'll stop with my little spiel, but um, yeah, thank you again, Josh. It's absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you for sharing your your um, two to three years of, uh, of amazing experience. <laughs> <laughs> and and like we said, uh, uh, audience, you know, um, I'm just a test uh, 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 case. The amazing people are coming next week, so it's only going to go up from here, folks. <laughs> no, no, no. We started with the best. No, that's, that's what I like to hear. You're right. The, the, the other ones are coming. Yeah, they're, they're real. The real guests are coming. Real ones are coming. Um, next thank week. you for, for thank you for having me. It was it was really yeah. fun uh, to talk so, about things. And uh, I would definitely say to anyone who would consider your class, um, Ed and Jackie's passion about this is very real. Um, they love being storytellers, and they love helping other storytellers. So you, you will not be, this, this will be well worth your money for sure. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, we do, we do, we are extremely passionate about it and we do this all day and it's because, because we love it and continue to love it. And we uh, would love to work with you if you would like to join us. Um, so yeah, keep your eyes peeled for more uh, podcasts. This is the first of many and um, Josh, it's been a total honor to uh, christen it with your yourself.